City University Television presents The American Theater Wing Seminars Working in the Theater This seminar, Production Welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Working in the Theatre Seminars, now in their 30th year, coming to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. Today's seminar is devoted to the production of the new Broadway musical, Avenue Q. With the members of its creative and production teams, we will follow the show from its beginning, off-Broadway, through to the current production, on-Broadway. I'm Isabel Stevenson, Chairman of the Board of the American Theatre Wing. <coughs> and so now, let me introduce our moderator for the seminar, director, actor, and writer, Lonnie Price. Lonnie. Well, uh, I'm, I'm totally delighted to be here because um, I'm this huge fan of the show. So when uh, they called and asked if I would come and moderate, I couldn't think of anything I'd rather do. Um, and also to introduce you guys to, uh, by the way, how many of you have seen uh, Avenue Q, have you? You're the lucky ones. Okay, great. <laughs> the rest of you, you need to get there very soon. Um, the way we'll start is I just want to introduce uh, our panel, and uh, I will just tell you what their function on the show is, and later we'll get into their sort of bios and that sort of thing. Uh, next to Isabel is book writer Jeff Witte. And we're just going to get the camera time to pan away. <laughs> there he is. And next to him is Rick Lyon, who is a puppeteer. Uh, on the show, and I'm sure has many other functions as well. <laughs> to my right is the <laughs> dazzling producer Robin Goodman, one of them hmm? on this show. To my left is one of the composers and lyricists. They actually write together. They write both together, which I really need to find out about. This is Bobby Marks. No. Nope, I'm sorry. Bobby this is Bobby Lopez. <laughs> I failed already. This is Bobby Lopez. <laughs> and thank you. And next to him is Jeff Marks, his collaborator, music and lyrics both. <laughs> and on the far left is a wonderful producer, Jeffrey Seller, who is uh, responsible for the amazing Rent, as well as uh, uh, the Puccini, uh, La Boheme, and uh, De La Guardia. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about everybody's uh, actually past and career. Uh, before we start, I thought that it might be really great for you all to take a look at a piece from the show. So um, I've selected something that's one of my favorite parts, and um, I think they're going to roll the film right about now. Think you watch a If you were gay, that'd be okay. I mean, cause hey, I'd like you anyway. Because you see, if it were me, I would feel free to say that I was gay, but I'm not gay. I'm happy just being with you. I might choose. So what should it matter to me? What you do in bed with guys? Nikki, that is gross! Oh, it's not! If you were gay, uh, I'd shout, hooray! I am not as gay. I'd stay. La, 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 
count on me to always be beside you every day to tell you it's okay you were just born that day and as they say it's in your dna you're gay if you were gay What'd you think of it, Rick? You've never seen it before? I've, I've never seen that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll tell us later what you thought of it. I think it sounds like. um, well, uh, let's start at the beginning. So, um, Bobby and Jeff, you started, you met, uh, and did you meet at BMI or did you yeah. meet before that? In the BMI Lehman Angle Musical Theater Workshop. Yeah, right. we were both working as composer lyricists uh, separately. Uh -huh. um, so I was writing my own songs and he was writing his own songs and we got kind of lonely, everyone else was collaborating in the workshop mm -hmm. and we felt like we were missing out, so uh, <coughs> we decided to collaborate on something and that led to us working together. And how many years ago was that? Five? Six, six? Five, six. And did you stay in the workshop through this whole process? Yeah, sort of. Actually, we wrote um, most of the Avenue Q songs in the workshop. And you brought, th this is the BMI, Lehman Engels BMI Musical Theater Workshop, where uh, songs are discussed by your class, and yeah. they're sort of, you've given, there's a, who's your mentor there? Was it Maury Yeston? Maury Yeston. Mm -hmm. And so you sort of developed it in that, in the BMI workshop, yes? Yeah. yeah. It was the first, um, it's actually, If You Were Gay was like the first song we brought in to, b our, to, the, to the class with Maury. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. It has such a, the show has such a specific tone, which I want to address with Jeff Whitty as well. Um, was that, w has it been fairly consistent? Did you hit it fairly quickly, the, the irreverence and the, um, the kind of off-center humor that it is? I think, I, I think yeah, we had the, the off-center humor from the beginning, but um, certainly we never expected it to grow into a, a full-length Broadway show. Uh -huh. I don't think. We, the idea was first to do a television show mm -hmm. that was mm -hmm. more of a parody in nature. And um, we were writing, uh, we wrote If You Were Gay, we wrote Everyone's a Little Bit Racist, and we, we came up with the characters and uh, The Internet is for Porn. Internet is for porn. <laughs> All good titles. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Stuff like that, those mock educational uh, songs. And who had the idea to do this sort of, uh, are we allowed to say the word Sesame Street um, kind of idea? Oh, we're not allowed to say that. Maybe. Well, <laughs> <laughs> never heard of it. Uh -huh. <laughs> were, you fans, were you fans of children's television? Um, yeah, well, yeah, we yeah. grew up on it. Actually, the right. idea for doing a show with puppets came before the idea for doing an educational show. I see. Um, we were writing um, a, a movie um, that we hoped we would sell to uh, the Jim Henson Company. Mm -hmm. It was for the Muppets. Right. Um, which you know well. You were yeah. in one of the Muppet <laughs> movies. Yeah. The survivor of the Muppet movie, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. um, and through workshopping that and demonstrating it, um, we met uh, Rick and... Um, uh, seeing him perform puppets, we went, wow, you know, puppetry live is really, really cool. It sure is. And it works for musicals because uh, it gets past that whole problem that people have, some people have, with people breaking Singing. out into song Indeed. on stage. I mean, it's animation these days, it's right. satire and it's puppets, and it seems like we need some sort of gimmick to make that accessible <laughs> to people, well, and people sadly. No one says, oh, give me a break. That puppet would never break into song. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> now, that puppet would, but that puppet would never. Um, just before we leave you guys, so just tell me, because I'm always interested in this. You both write both. Now, what does that mean? Someone, explain your process. Does one of you get oh. an idea? Is there a... No, well, usually, you know, the composer writes the music and the lyricist writes the lyrics, but we actually, Bobby, um, you know, writes music and lyrics, and I write music and lyrics. Mm -hmm. So um, we decided um, early on to just try... 
uh, sitting in a room together and hashing it all out. Um, we don't split things up. So it's not like you write one song and he writes no, another song. No, you we both don't. write all of them. Yeah, we right. don't work on anything individually. We don't bring in ideas. We really because then you know uh, somebody works on something for four hours and brings it in. The other person goes, eh, I don't, I don't love it. You go, what do you mean? I worked for four hours on this. How can you not like it that quick? Uh huh. So we work on everything together at the same time mm -hmm. in the same room, um, and we only keep what we both like. Do you come up with a with a vamp or a title or a, is there is there a, is there any more specific you can get about your process? I think quite often we like we go into a a restaurant w away from a piano mm -hmm. and um, decide what we're going to do whether it's a title or you know a couple of, a rhyme or something mm -hmm. or an idea for a melody hum something and then we maybe get a quatrain or something bring it back to a piano and. Uh, so you really do it together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's extraordinary. And most of it's done in cafes and restaurants. Uh -huh. so, so did you gain a lot of weight writing the show? We like having people walk around, interrupt us, and having life not you know being in a little secluded room. Any particular coffee shop that's inspiring? <laughs> uh, yes, <coughs> downtown Eighth uh, Street and Third Avenue, around the clock. I'll be there tomorrow <laughs> if I can come up with a show half as good as yours. Um, so now, is the next person that was involved in this was Rick? Did you did you find Rick? Yes. Yeah. Rick, tell us just a little bit about your background and how long you've been a puppeteer and all of that, can you? Oh, well, how long is this program? <laughs> um, I've been a puppeteer since I can remember. I've been interested in the form uh, since childhood, and uh, certainly the, the things that, uh, that I saw early on in life uh, that attracted me to puppetry were like Kukla Fran and Ollie. Oh, sure. And even the puppets on like uh, the Captain Kangaroo show. Yeah. I'm, I'm so dating myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember those. But um, so it was puppetry on TV was really how I was exposed to it. And the first time I saw a puppet show live was I think at the 1964 World's Fair. There was a Punch and Judy guy doing a show there, and I saw that live, and I went, "Oh my gosh, this doesn't just exist in this little tiny box in my living room. It, you know, it can happen live." So I've always been interested in puppetry, and I, by the time I was 11 years old, I was already sewing uh, and building my own puppets and, and that sort of thing. But always as a hobbyist, mm -hmm. never something that I considered as a serious career. I studied theater in college, and I was always on stage. And Where was that? Which college was that? Penn State. Uh huh. A very tiny little. Uh, theater department, which actually worked in my favor because at the time, you know, when, when you're in college, everybody's the same age. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Funny about that. And when you're casting shows, That's right. you're, you're sort of stressed for character part. And since I was so out of the box a character actor, uh, I worked a lot at, at Penn State. I was in shows and shows and shows and shows. I was just always on stage. So I, I got to really exercise my chops a lot as opposed to some big, huge department that had a lot of people. It was a very small little thing. So it was, you know, small pond, big fish kind of thing. And all during that time, I kept doing puppet things. And somewhere during college, and I don't know how to this day, one of my professors found out that I did puppets and encouraged me to do public performances in, in that community. And I started doing that. And slowly, the, the theater stuff started falling away, and the puppet stuff started emerging as being more dominant force in my life. And I suddenly found myself paying my phone bills by doing puppet shows and going, hey, wow, I paid like 30% of my rent this week, you know, this month uh, doing puppet shows. And so I started thinking, well, maybe there is some you know, career aspiration buried here somewhere <laughs> in this mm -hmm. thing that I've always been doing. And uh, after college, I sought out 
uh, some training and exposure to other puppeteers because up until that time I was the only person I ever had met that called themselves a puppeteer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I uh, went to um, a program that used to be affiliated with the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center up in Connecticut, which sadly no longer exists, called the Institute for Professional Puppetry Arts or something like that, and uh, was exposed to puppetry uh, in a professional mode for the very first time. And it was while I was there that I ran into Jim Henson and started working for him and blah de blah de blah And so uh, that's when I really started singularly focusing in on uh, puppetry. And when did your paths cross? When did you guys... Well, it's funny because our Jeff and I had a mutual friend and um, Jeff had told her that, uh, you know, they were doing this puppet piece and they, you know, they wanted somebody to perform a puppet and she recommended me. And I, you know, I came over and said, hi, I don't know you guys, you don't know me, what are you doing? And uh, I ended up, you know, demoing one of their songs uh, in class. And that's sort of how it all, all got started. And that's about how long ago now uh, that four, that would, four, four years, years ago? Right. Just, yeah. for just, just about four years, yeah. yeah. And Excellent. And now, when did Jeff Whitty join the, the team? That was later. That was after. Yeah, much that, was that was after. That was after. Robin and Jeffrey got on. Ah, see. Okay, right. okay, great. So I'm learning too. That's great. <laughs> so you have this show, which was in, in my circles whispered about endlessly of this amazingly funny, terrific, irreverent uh, musical. And um, so what did you do? You, you, you involved Rick. Did you do some readings of it? We did. We, one did, we had like six songs. And we, uh, we thought it was going to be a TV show, so mm -hmm. we put it on its feet. A friend of ours was associate director or something rather of the York Theater, or assistant associate or whatever. Okay. Um, and he said, you know, on, Monday on some Monday night, would you like to come use the theater? But, you know, said, I saw you at BMI. That's oh, did you? You yes. did? You guys don't I didn't remember. That. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> was that when we were, when we were doing yeah. the puppets yeah. ourselves? No, we no, Rick was there. And oh, oh. I saw you at BMI. That's where I saw you. The doing an oh, Avenue Q song or yes. the Kermit thing? Yes, you did two songs. My friend Sharon Werner from HBO said, you know, she'd just seen these guys performing at BMI weeks before and that I should check them out. It's the funniest stuff she'd ever seen. And so I went up there because it was, I think it was the first time I'd ever been to BMI, uh -huh. actually. That's how I remember. Mm -hmm. And I saw you guys, uh, and I think Anne Harada was there. I think you did Racist, actually. Is that possible? Uh -huh. Did you do racist at BMI? In class? We did it in class, know. but we didn't do it with puppets. No? We did well, it. Um, I saw you do, I think, racist and uh, gay. I think those were the two songs. Was, was Bobby wearing a red wig? Because <laughs> <laughs> we did it once without puppets, without, with Bobby wearing a red wig. I, I, was, yeah, I was wearing a red wig. <laughs> 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 I don't remember that part. But we I remember that's puppets. where I saw you because y you hadn't done the York thing. Because the York thing, you only did once, correct? Uh, did you do yeah, it twice? Yeah, four nights. Yeah, but remember, because that, that's when I invite, I met with you guys, yeah. and, you, and I said, this would be a great musical, we should develop it into a right. musical, and you said, no, I want to do a TV show, <laughs> but thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, Being the persistent person I am, I didn't give up. And that was four, that's about four years ago, so About Robin? three and a half, four years yeah, ago? Yeah, three and a half. And well, we had stood up at this reading, we invited everyone we knew, and we said, if you know anyone at Comedy Central or Fox or HBO, you know, yeah, please you tell them me, about us. Yeah, you asked me to invite all those people. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> and you invited Jeff. Kevin. I invited Jeffrey and Kevin and three or four other producers and television people, and out of the we did it. You did it at the York, mm -hmm. and out of all those people, the only brilliant people who emerged interested in the project 
were Jeffrey and Kevin. His partner, Kevin McCollum. Yeah, and uh, Kevin McCollum, who's not here. And um, we, uh, we got together. We didn't know each other that well, really, but we liked each other. <laughs> 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 and we said, let's develop, yeah, we get it. Let's make it into a real Broadway, not, actually not Broadway at all. Let's make it into a so musical. So did you both ap approach, well, first of all, Jeffrey, tell me, what, what was your take on it when you first saw oh, it? Oh, um, I think that uh, there's three kinds of laughter. There's the, that's funny. You say it. <laughs> there's the, you smile. <laughs> and then there's the laughter that just takes over your entire body. So when I went to the York Theater, which uh, is in the basement of a church on Lexington Avenue, at Robin's suggestion, um, I witnessed these six songs, and I just had that kind of laughter take over my body, and knew right there that I wanted to participate in bringing this show to its next step. Which you thought was a theater piece. You agreed with Robin. Yeah, Robin and I, um, though we don't know each other, seem to share a lot of the same values um, theatrically. And, uh, and we thought, well, this should be a book musical. Interesting. And then our job was to convince these guys yeah. <laughs> that it should be a book musical. Very stubborn guys. <laughs> so it was sort of a review. It was sort of a review, just song, 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 song. Well, they won no, it was a TV they pilot. So it, had, so it, it did have a plot. It did have a plot. And did you guys write what it was the spoken material as well? Mm -hmm. We did. We were writing it with uh, a, another co-book writer, um, and we expanded it. Uh, so at that point, we expanded it into a full-length three-act. Uh, musical, my my, which still resembled a TV show. Got right, it. it was very um, much a hybrid, and uh -huh. uh, it, it, the did story it have the didn't dramatic work. arc that we know of, that it has now. No, no, no. It did not. so that's when the producer said, "We need a real playwright to make yeah. it into a play." It didn't have a love story. Yeah. Well, it had it had the fine Wasn't line she hit song. Was it a car or something? It had yeah, yeah it, had, <laughs> it had a car accident. <laughs> it had um, the fine line song and it had the rough someone song. <laughs> right. and it, it had the the college song and the I deeper see. songs. But it didn't yet have a, a convincing structure, structure that, that made it work. And I'm assuming that you're getting ready to enter here, Jeff yep. Whitty. And yeah. how did that happen? <laughs> well, I, I, Jeffrey and I, almost it was like it simultaneously thought of Jeff Whitty. Because you read The Plank Project, correct? Yeah. And I was going to see The Plank Project because I knew Jeff from, I had a reading series when I was at Manhattan Theater Club. Mm -hmm. And Jeff was part of it. Robin gave me my first reading with professional actors ah. as a playwright. By the way, I'd before. like to just take a moment to talk about Robin Goodman. Robin Goodman is a co-founder of Second Stage, which is an extraordinary theater where she's produced over 50 plays and musicals. She also produced Metamorphoses, the amazing Metamorphoses. Mm -hmm. She was an associate producer of a class act. Bat Boy, Tick, Tick, Boom. In, the, in a very short time, uh, she has become a major force in the theater as a commercial producer, having been a major force as a, in the non-for-profit world. So uh, I'm really glad she's uh, nice with music. us I'm just happy today. to be around all these cute men. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> she's known the business as a lady with taste, which is, which is unusual for producers, I have to say. Um, <laughs> 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 And a great aesthetic. So anyway, Jeff, you, you had known Robin and, and, and Jeffrey, and uh, well, you'd known Robin. She I knew Robin. I didn't reading, know Jeffrey yeah. at that point. And so and so they called you and said, "We've got this puppet show." We don't. What, what did they say? Yeah, my my agent called and said, "How would you feel about writing a musical for puppets?" And I hadn't thought about it. I'd never thought about writing a musical actually before because I'd never written one. So tell me a little bit about your background. You, you wrote, you've written straight plays before? Just mm. plays, mostly uh, comedies with sort of a dark bent to them. Uh -huh. He's also a, a wonderful actor. Ah, uh, yeah. Excellent. And I, I act as well, but um, yes, yeah, so I, you know, I met um, in 
the office with Bobby and Jeff, who I'd never met before. I mean, this all seems to be an introduction of strangers, one after the other. Mm. But, uh, um, you know, and I knew I heard the score, and I knew I loved the songs and thought they were really funny. Uh, and just little by little, we went to um, the uh, Museum of Broadcasting and watched some old Sesame Street episodes, mm -hmm. the pilot, and uh, we just began to talk and eventually hammered out a draft of that would have a, a, a story arc. But at this point, it was very much pieces, characters that, um, as a playwright, characters come out of necessity. And this was this collection of fascinating, very vivid characters who didn't... Um, necessarily fit into a story at that right. point. So you had to work backwards, essentially. Work backwards, and there were songs that suggested a story. Um, there's a song called Mixtape that's sort of the beginning of a love story, and a song called Fine, Fine Line that's about a breakup. But then there were songs called Everyone's a Little Bit Racist and The Internet is for Porn, and those were, they were hilarious songs, and they had to be in the show. Right. Um, so it was a matter of assembling all these pieces and finding w why they were necessary, mm -hmm. and, and what the tone and style of the show would be that would allow for these, the, the fun songs that weren't quite so plot-oriented to fit in, as well as the, um, the more plot-driven songs. And then, and then uh, new songs were written as well. well. I think you did a masterful job. And what's also marvelous about the show is that you, the voice is so u unified. You know, it, it doesn't sound like the songwriters left off and the book writer came in. It sounds like it's one voice saying, uh, talking to us, which is, which is quite unusual, actually. Um, and its structure is just is sensational. Um, and you talk about laughing. If you go when you go to the Golden Theater, it's it's an unusual thing to see an entire audience and almost all the time laughing all the time. Mm -hmm. Usually, you get sort of a pocket here and a pocket there, but belly laughs and you f you can watch them rock. It's really it's an amazing thing. I think we also have to say, even though we haven't quite gotten there, that uh, Jason Moore, mm -hmm. our director, mm -hmm. was a big part. Of now, when did Jason come in? Even though he's not here, we can talk about him. Particularly since he's not here. I oh, think about one in? year after right. Jeff. No, it was about it was about six months or because we we all hammered out yeah. this this first draft that was this. You know, for me, I was just trying to figure out how to write write a book, right. and so it was very very wordy and mm -hmm. very. I, I didn't understand how terse you had to be. Right. Um, and then Jason came in, and that's when it all began to click because we we uh, we wrote another draft that threw out the old one completely and wrote a whole new one which. Had the, did it, it had the purpose arc in it, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, that, that, um, the purpose arc came in when Jason came on board. Was that his idea? No, it was Jeff's idea. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh... The lead character's looking for his purpose in life is sort of He's just come out of college, and he's facing his life. And, uh, and it's something also which is so terrific, and I know it's very important to you, Jeff, and to you, Robin, is, is that it's a show about people in their 20s, for people in their 20s as well. I mean, it's not a show that... You look around that theater, and it's not a lot of people in their 60s and 70s like a lot of other musicals, but actually it's, it's young people who are coming to the theater to see it, which is terrific. Um, where do you come from, uh, Italy? New where did Jersey? I grow up? Oh, yeah. I grew up uh, in Oregon. And where? In Oregon. Right. And I moved here about 10 years ago. You went to school in Oregon? Uh, I did my undergraduate in Oregon. I, I went right. to a NYU. What brought you to New York? Vague... Thoughts of being in the theater somehow. I, I, didn't <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a specific plan at that mm -hmm. point. 
when you came just without knowing anything about the theater in New York? I didn't. I worked um, at Joe Allen for my first year here. I still wanted to be yeah. in the theater. That's <laughs> <a story. laughs> um, so, so, Je- so, Jeff, you joined the group, and we already you had Jason, and you had Jeff. Jason was extraordinary. Yeah, I really just want to put in a word for Jason. Incredible. He was mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. He really had a brilliant sense of structure, dramatic mm-hmm. structure. And, you know, it's, it's a collaboration isn't always easy, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, he kept us on a course, and he kept the, them working and always improving. Always That's improving, well. I thought. So now, how, now, now we've got the team. We've got Jason. We've got Jeff. And then what? Readings after that? Workshops? What happened? Was that the Yeah. No, but we did a couple of uh, readings before we did, that. Yeah, we did. So, Robin, essentially, you and Jeff and Kevin optioned the show. Is that what happened? Mm-hmm. Yes, Jeffrey and Kevin and I, t- all three of us together, optioned the show. Yes. Okay, so that's the first thing. And that is, um, that is a, a payment to the authors, essentially. Correct. And for a period of how long is the option run for something like that? A couple of years with extensions? I'm a year assuming. with an extension, I think it was? No, I think a standard option is two years with an extension. Oh, you buy years? an option for 24 months. I see. Great. <laughs> and um, so you guys get producers. You've got a director. You've got a, uh, you've got a book writer. And you start doing some workshops. So what was, what was that process like? Well, it was... Um, I think the first one we did was just a table reading, really, mm-hmm. of, our, of, a, of our first draft. And um, that was encouraging because we finally had the arc. We had a story that, that was seeming to work. It wasn't quite right. Um, and then the next thing that we did uh, was rewrite it completely mm-hmm. with Jason on board, completely, like, threw out whole sections. And it was, must have been really hard for Jeff because we, <laughs> we threw out whole scenes and No, I mean, in writing a musical, the one thing you learn is how great it feels to cut anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any word you can cut is, right. is a gift. We had hundreds of readings in Jason's apartment where we would just hash Hash out a new story. And it's just, it's really hard to write a simple story. It's just really hard. Um, And I think the the next thing we did was do a, um, we did a reading sort of to solicit some backers. Uh Uh-huh. That was, but then we sort of combined drafts, remember? Because the problem with the second draft was that it was very too efficient. I see. It didn't have enough sort of mess and fun in it, so we took kind of pieces of both of them and reassembled. I see. Right. Well, there was Manhattan Theater Club, right? We did, we did a reading of just the first act, and then Jason, was, who was narrating, sort of, yeah. w- just sort of summarized the second act, and it was like, oh, now it's over. <laughs> 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 then a miracle happens, and the story is over. <laughs> and, uh, and then, at that point, it seemed like we actually had something. It, was a, it felt r- right. And yes. um, we, uh, after that, I think they, the producers brought us to the O'Neill Center where we had our real yeah. workshop. And that was mm-hmm. how many summers ago now? Is that two, two years ago? Two summers ago. ago. Two summers ago. And that's a two-week workshop at the O'Neill? It was three weeks, wasn't it? Two. two. Oh, it was two? Two, two writing weeks. And you live up there, right? Yeah, and so heaven. that's like that every... That was great. Yeah. And you have five um, live performances in front of audiences. And each one, you know, there's space between each one, and you're encouraged to, do to some writing. you know, do the second act first, toss things, change, you know, drop characters, add... And the actors involved in that, any of them still with you? Almost all of them. Oh, that's great. Just about all of them. Five out of seven. But by that time, we had involved the Vineyard and the new group. Now, how did that happen? That's true. Yeah, because they were up there with us. Let's not forget. Well, uh, Scott Elliott of the uh, new group was at one of the readings. And like he Manhattan Theatre Club or something yes, like that? Yes, Manhattan uh-huh. Theatre Club. And he flipped for it. He uh-huh. just loved it. I had invited Doug Abel because Jeffrey and Kevin and I had decided that it would be good to do it in a small not-for-profit venue in New York just to 
you know, to work on it and give it shape and not let it be overexposed. You know, the right way to start a musical, we thought. Were this both musical. of you thinking of it as a Broadway show no. or as an off-Broadway no. show? No, I remember the moment when we realized it was possible. I remember we looked at each other and we said, maybe this could go to Broadway. Really? But at yeah. the moment it was just an off-Broadway? Yeah, we, it was just a musical. I mean, and probably for off-Broadway is what we thought. Mm -hmm. Right? Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, I, well, at first we didn't know if the puppets would play yes. to um, a Broadway-sized house. Right. So, you know, as we um, developed the show, we absolutely thought this will be a terrific off-Broadway musical that would play, you know, in the tradition of uh, the original Little Shop of Horrors, sure, yeah. or, you know, play at the Orpheum, or at the Minetta Lane, or a theater like that. Mm -hmm. That's how we imagined it. Right. But, you know, I think it's um, an interesting thing about the theater, which is that when you make a show, you don't know who it's for yet, mm -hmm. and you don't know where it's going to land. And Lord knows, um, we never thought before we did it at the Vineyard that Avenue Q would be a Broadway show. And of course, um, going backward in time to my past, I never thought Rent, obviously, was going to be a Broadway show, nor did Jonathan Larson. But you know, it's interesting because uh, we invited a, a bunch of not-for-profit producers that we wanted to sort of help us develop the show, and several of them said, uh, well, who's it for? Who's the audience for this with the and puppets? I, and there's a good answer to that. Anyone who ever said, I don't know who it's for. It's not for you. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody I'm sorry, I took your punchline. But you got the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote the line. It's Jeffrey's line. It's totally Jeffrey's line. I'm sorry. It just came out. So, so anyway, uh, Doug uh, Abel couldn't make the reading, but he saw them perform at a benefit. Yeah, he just right. saw one number. <laughs> he saw one number, and he flipped out, and he called me and said, I made a big mistake not coming to that reading. He said, I'm interested. So we said, well, if you can work with the new group, if the vineyard and the new group can do it together, that's okay with us, but you guys have to talk. And now, that's pretty unusual that two not-for-profits yes, yes. get together in collaboration. Yes. Was that tricky? Well, no, because it turned out they were old friends, oh, fine. which was a lucky break for mm -hmm. us. And both wonderful guys and wonderful producers. And in fact, doing a musical for either theater was a big endeavor and an expensive endeavor for them. So actually pooling their resources uh, helped them both be able to do it. So now we're at the point where the Vineyard is, is committed to doing and a production, an off-Broadway production. With the new group. With the new group. Yes. Now, uh, is enhancement money given to, to the Vineyard Theater by you guys? To yes. Bo yes. And Absolutely. how much enhancement money would that be? That was $150,000. And what is the vineyard's, what is the vineyard's uh, portion? You're, so you're getting $150,000, so the vineyard has a budget of what that you're adding to? I think that the show ultimately cost off-Broadway $450,000. So you Maybe, in fact, I'm sorry, maybe closer to $500,000 yeah, because, because it went over budget. I yeah. see, I see. And so then the Vineyard and the uh, new group split the other part. Are you, yeah, are you I think actually we wound up putting in put about in 200 and, yeah. they, and then the two of them each put in like 150 Or, you know, I mean, I, I don't like know that. the exact details. I think they but, did about 150 But we yeah. put in, in fact, we wound up going to about 200 and what, and uh, in terms of, okay, so the, you open. The idea was one third, one third, one third. Right, so you're partners, you're fairly <laughs> equal partners. Right. Um, so then uh, it opens uh, at the Vineyard. Uh, well, tell me just a little bit about previews. Hell, okay, <laughs> fun. Oh my God, it was such hell. It was absolute <laughs> torture. Right, tell us. Uh, <laughs> rehearsals were torture because we were, we were worried about how it would play and, and whether we had to cut a, a number that was dear to our hearts. Oh my God, and yeah, <laughs> it was about... <laughs> but you're not upset no, about it anymore. Oh, oh my God, it's still a sore subject. No, Don't talk it is now. still a sore subject. It was a great song. It was about jury duty. Do it for a second. It was called Tear It Up and Throw It Away. It You'll hear it right sometime. <laughs> You can um, go bonus cut on the CD. Oh, uh, we tried. 
<laughs> um, and that's a sore Lonnie, point, too. why don't you just put a paper, you know, give me a paper cut and put some lemon juice on it. <laughs> Where's Michael Reno? I'm on anyone's side. I'm not on anyone's side. <laughs> um, all right, so, so previews were hell. But, yeah, but, you know, we learned to deal with it. Well, what, what, what is the hard part of that? I mean, you're putting it in front of an audience. You're seeing what works, what doesn't work. Is the hell part that other people are telling you what they think works and what you should change and you don't want to change it? I mean, we were open to change. You were open. And what about you, Jeff? Do you feel you were pretty open to changes? Yeah, you know, you and and you know, you you hear it. You can hear it in the audience. That's what's great about previews is you know when something isn't landing. They're rustling. You know, and you got to they're rustling their papers. You got to get working. And we we were cranking it out. The show that began previews is quite different than the one that Mm -hmm. opened. I mean, I was firing sometimes like a twenty-page stack of new pages every day. Right. Some days, yeah. and it's they're they're a gift previews, but they really are they're harrowing because you've got this it's tick 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 tick. How are they for you? Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of changes. Yeah, it it was it was intense. I mean, as a as a performer in the show, uh, being handed a stack of this stuff to master for tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and not just for you, but for your friend with you. Well, yeah. But uh, the friend follows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean it, it, it's always intense when you're you're handed this massive amount of material to to um, hopefully get some sense of mastery uh, uh, through the process. For me, it was a it, just on a personal note. For me, it was a very difficult time because um, was it our let's see, was it uh, time about your, the accent? Yeah. Um, did we actually even start previews, or was it during? Yeah, we were about yeah it was, it was, it about was like our third, third, or third, or third or fourth. Right we yeah. Opened, yeah. our third or fourth preview. I uh, had a mishap and uh, basically walked off a stage um, and fell down some uh, the escape stairs and uh, sprained my ankle very badly and couldn't continue. We actually had to cancel the rest of the performance because I couldn't uh, continue. Um, in, in one sense, the fact that it is a puppet, a musical with puppets in it, actually saved us and let us, allowed us to keep the show going because the most, a lot of the characters that I play in the show are two-handed puppets. They're actually performed by two puppeteers working in tandem, as you saw in the clip uh, from If You Were a Gay. I'm in the head of the puppet and in one hand, and there's another puppeteer who's in the other hand who's assisting me. And my being off stage. Uh, basically was an opportunity for her to take over the puppet instead of just assisting. She took over the manipulation of the character while I did all the voices for the characters off stage. We should say that off-Broadway, or at least in a nonprofit, you, you, there's no understudies. That's right. Yeah, there are no understudies, understudies off-Broadway. So, so if it weren't for that, I mean, we, we had, had to we had to solve. The I problem. actually saw one of those performances, and it was it was it was kind of extraordinary because it, you know, even though we knew where you were, you kind of just bought the whole thing. It was mm-hmm. just it was, but I'm sure it was frustrating for you to not be on stage. Well, not really. I mean, <laughs> it's it is a job, and so I was still able to do my job. So that was that was what was important. And but that was one of the situations that you know having the puppets being a part of the thing actually allowed us to do that because right. uh, the lady who assists me and who is also in the Broadway show, Jennifer Barnhart, knew my track so right, right, well right. from just walking around doing my right hand that she could step in and do. You know, manipulate my puppets and do the track. Uh, it also shifted a bunch of other things around, but we were able to do them because the audience will buy 
a puppet character as long as you know uh, the performance is consistent. Um, so for, that was an additional stress of the of the of previous for you. Well, and it also shifted a lot of responsibilities for other people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some one of the hardest things about this show, honest to gosh, this regardless of everything else, the choreography and learning the, the lines and the songs and music and everything, one of the hardest things about this show is the, um, not choreography exactly, but the, the um, staging of the way that the puppets get passed back and forth between people, because we have puppeteers who are playing two characters uh, two different characters, and sometimes their characters appear on stage together. And how you make that happen, and how you make puppets shift back and forth, and so forth, there's an extraordinarily complicated traffic pattern. Um, and so when we added that to the already stressful process of getting new lines and getting new songs and new cuts and everything, that was very <laughs> difficult during previews. Actually, you know, the Broadway run has been a piece of cake <laughs> <laughs> compared to <coughs> going through that preview process mm. at the uh, off Broadway. You know, I think one of the reasons for that, one of the challenges of this show was the set. Mm -hmm. and uh, I wanted to talk about designing the, the set too. in proportion to people and puppets. Well, Ana Luisa did the set design, which mm -hmm. is extraordinarily brilliant. It's just very witty, and watching it, watching the, the Broadway version of it, watching how it is expanded, uh, to, to be Broadwayified, it's just a total delight. It's like a character in the show. It really is. And it's Howell Binkley is, is your lighting designer, and yes. I don't remember your costume. Moreno Rada. I didn't remember that. But what, about the the but oh, what about the unions? Do you have to have a union for puppeteers or for puppets? Oh, that's interesting, Rick. Is there a puppeteer union? I do not know. No, we're There's all, not. We're all like so you can have as many union. characters as you want without So a puppeteer union? can do as many as they can do? Is that, is that right. correct? Sure. I mean, your, your role in the show is... Nikki Trekkie, blah, 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 you know, it's as cast, so it's, it's various uh -huh. roles. Your role is various roles. But I think that's why people were hurting themselves a little bit, because sometimes the scale of the set was for the puppets. Oh, like interesting. Like, you bend down when you come through the doorway, don't mm. you, the center doorway? Yeah. It's, uh, for those who have, have not seen the show, the, the uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the scale of the, uh, the set, which is semi-realistic, is about 80%. Right. So the doorways are just under six feet. Right. And the windows are all a little small, a little bit narrow. Perfect for me. I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, looking for it's, that uh, <laughs> the, the effort. The effort is to make a compromise between the scale of the human beings and the scale of the puppets. Uh, right, and Anna's right. done a really great job of that. But there's all these fun little things like windows that pop open in ways that you don't expect them to. And there's pieces of the set that open. Um, I think the basic one of the basic design ideas was sort of like an advent calendar. Yes, right. So there's all these things that pop open and flip up and all that. Right, it's sort, right. of, sort of a cross between an advent calendar and the Rowan uh, and Martin's laugh-in joke. Yeah, yeah. And it made the writing process easier because you could just have characters appear and disappear, yeah. which is, you, you know, it, it was a real gift because you could get information out very quickly. And you didn't have to see them arrive. They just could do a Be pop yeah, and so go, which And then it was really the button great. on the joke a lot of the time is the slamming of the window or the, Indeed. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's consistently inventive, that set. It really is. Okay, so now we're, we're off Broadway. Uh, we had terrible, horrible previews, which was a problem. <laughs> Actually, the, the audiences were loving it. Right. From that was the, the first preview. Uh, it was just your it experience. It was just though. our experience that was right. hell. Um, and also, it was your first, was it not? This is yeah. sort of the first time yeah. you've gone through that process. Yeah, we wrote a couple of for all of us. Shows. For, for I think for Jason, too, yeah. first musical. Yeah. And uh, Jeff and, and Jeff and myself, um, and a lot of the actors, also their, their debut off-Broadway. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm working on a new piece. There's nothing like that. It's just nothing prepares you for that. But it was funny. I was just reading the um, that 
account of Follies, uh, oh, Ted Chapin's book. Yeah, yeah, oh, it was yeah. unbelievable. But it was amazing to me how many situations were similar and reminded me of our experience on this show. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right, so we're getting ready to open. Critics are coming. Uh, how, first of all, how do you all deal with critics? Do you, do, what, what, what's your thought? I mean, does that make you nervous? Do well, you show up when they're there? We stayed away on like the five or six nights we knew they were going to be there. Smart you. That's great. But we were asked do? to stay away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh nothing. <laughs> Let's talk about this a little bit now. Who asked you to stay away? Uh, Jason. The director asked you to stay away. Why do you think he might have asked you to stay away? It would make us and them nervous I and see. the actors and the <laughs> I see. I'm glad I stayed away. I'm, I stayed away well, there's on, nothing you on can Broadway. Do. There's it's nothing you can do. You might as well just have might a Might as well be drinking down yeah. the street. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah. what you did? <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> I'm always told to do that and I never have the courage to, but I think after right. the last season I, I actually might drink heavily. <laughs> 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 um, so what about you, Jeff? How did you feel? I'm sorry, Isabel. I wouldn't know where the money came from. Uh, the off-Broadway, well, we talked right. about the off-Broadway money was, was a concern. How many well, investors do you have? Oh, there you go. You mean now, uh, uh, the front money was only like three, three or four investors, I believe. Four? Three, four, yeah, that's I a good number. I had two. That's, yeah. That sounds right. And uh, ultimately, we have 60? I don't know. I don't yeah, remember. I actually don't remember. I think it's something like 60. Yeah, that 60 sounds people, good. <laughs> really. Um, yeah. I, I, we were actually think they turning people. Of the show. <laughs> 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 yeah. You heard it here. Yeah, we have we have a little couch in our office too. Um, <laughs> um, but um, we were turning people away at the end, actually. But we didn't get to the opening off Broadway yet, so I just want to go in, in chronological order. So Jeff, just just for you, what do you? How do you deal with critics? Um, by the way, but do you do you read them? I was. I mean, as an actor, I would. I never read them right, because yeah. you have to do the show the next night. But as a writer, it's like, well, the work's over, so you might as uh -huh. well, you know. So you read them all? Pretty much. You do I the mean, whole, they send you the stack and you actually read it. Yeah, I try not to be too obsessive about it, Good you know. <laughs> but, uh. but yeah, I mean, it's it helps to know what, you know plan for the future, you know, it's, right. it's just good to know what the picture is going to be. And what did, uh, were, you, were you in the house when the critics were there? No. So, oh you, no, so no. none of you showed up for the critic nights? No, because I mean, even if like a celebrity like Bette Midler or someone would watch the show, I'd be staring at them the whole time. So I didn't want to be doing that with Ben Brantley or, you know, another critic. Sure, so. sure. Okay, so the show opens and, because uh, I, I don't read reviews, but I, I'm assuming it got phenomenal reviews or got very strong notices, okay. and you guys decide that what's, where, what's the next step. And so how did that decision come about? Um, that's a gut decision. Mm -hmm. I think you feel these things in, uh, you know, on the level of your body. And fortunately, this was a gut decision that Robin and Kevin and I and Doug Abel of the Vineyard and Scott Elliott all <coughs> shared. Uh -huh. We all looked at each other and said, this should go to Broadway. Hmm. This is a Broadway musical. And you know what? It's a great Broadway musical. And it's just the kind of musical that Broadway needs. And um, and we said, let's go for it. And then we really started to plan in that direction from that day forward, while also doing an analysis of what would it look like financially um, if we did it off-Broadway as well. But um, I think that the um, audience for musicals is on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the greatest thing that Broadway has to offer, which is its brand name for musicals in particular. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in truth, there haven't been a lot of successful off-Broadway musicals over the last decade. And mm -hmm. um, shows like De La Guarda and Blue Man Group and Stomp are really entertainments 
you know, you could call them new vaudeville shows. They're they're different. Mm -hmm. They they employ dance, they employ music, but they're not musicals. Mm -hmm. And um, off Broadway can always be a hospitable home for plays. But we really looked and said we want to be part of the Broadway musical theater tradition with this show, and we think that we will do better by the show and by our investors by going in that direction. So the decision is made. I guess well, a house looked is at, very important. We looked at some, uh, uh, some off-Broadway theaters actually, just to make sure we knew the whole range right. of things we were looking at. We we all went. We looked at maybe five Broadway theaters. I think it was about five. Yeah, we looked at all the little houses. Right. We looked at the Golden. We looked at the uh, Helen Hayes. The we looked at the, the Walter Booth. Kerr. We looked at the Walter <laughs> right. Kerr. Right. And the maybe music one box, more. maybe? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Royale. Royale. Seems like that was the coolest experience yeah, ever. Yeah. Walking around <laughs> shopping for Broadway theaters. That was <laughs> damn cool. But you know what? I think the coolest moment in my life, and I'll never forget this as long as I live, um, was uh, a couple weeks after the critics and the opening, um, or maybe it was a couple days, I don't know. They came, the producers came and they said, we have to have a meeting after the show, which, you know, is not always a good thing. You know, somebody gets <laughs> hurt, somebody needs to go away, you know, there's something bad happening. So nobody knew. And they sat down and they said, we think, you know, everything's going well. We think the show belongs on Broadway. And we're going to move it to Broadway, and this is going to happen. And just the elation <laughs> in the room, just everybody was like, oh my, oh my God, you, did you just say we're moving to Broadway? <laughs> oh, but, I, I, oh I just wanted to add, but this guy always thought it was a Broadway show. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we, we may have probably did our first reading, and Jeff was like, we're going to Broadway, right? We're going to Broadway, right? <laughs> so the first believer was undeniably Jeff Marks. And I want to say that I, the, when I thought it, it could go to Broadway was when I heard the vocal arrangements from Stephen O'Remus at mm -hmm. the O'Neill. Stephen O'Remus was our uh, music supervisor and orchestrator right. and arranger and music director uh, with Gary Adler. Um, and he wrote some phenomenal vocal arrangements that just, like we had always heard it as a small sound and we always thought, it doesn't matter if the singing is all that, you know, big or, or yeah. great, but he got them to sound like twice as many people and it just sounded Huge. So you decided to go now. Who well, we did. We did when we narrowed it down. We took the uh, the puppets, and you weren't there though. Were you? Or were you at one of them? Oh yeah. But you weren't. Yeah. To see how they would to read. Yeah. To, we how sat far back. way back yeah. in the last row mm -hmm. of the balcony to see how the puppets would read. And of course, what we found out is that they look better than people. <laughs> 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 when your face is orange, you have when a decided advantage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Their heads are slightly bigger. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're bigger as human heads. Actually. Sure. And they read wonderfully in these smaller houses, mm -hmm. and that was the delightful surprise. So, uh, do you decide, uh, this does, the set, does the set get bigger? Does, I mean, do you Well, we chose the golden, which was only about a foot uh, wider. Yeah, for all really? practical purposes, the proscenium opening of the golden was the same as See the opening so of the cool. Vineyard Theater. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So I think I think Adam may have added a couple inches. It really yeah, that's all the, it is. the uh, yeah. you know the major set piece, which of course are, are the is the Brown you know the front yeah. of the uh, of the brownstones uh, um, row houses is probably a better word for Avenue <laughs> right, Q. Right, right. Uh, was virtually the same. Uh, as it was often. Did you use any pieces of the set or did you rebuild it from scratch? No, you have to rebuild it from scratch once is you're... Is that the unionist issue? You have to, yeah, you have to have a, a union shop build it. The but, stamp you know, and all that? Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, we probably could have used parts of it, but you need to build it stronger and sturdier Class. when you're going to do eight shows a week and hopefully play many, many, many weeks. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, and uh, so 
Well, how much? I'm sorry. Uh, I thought the biggest difference, I mean, is, is, was the number of people in the audience, uh -huh. because that really gave the laughs um, more air and mm -hmm. more. Um, so the they rhythm caught of fire. The, show, the rhythm, the rhythm of, the of the show, of the show changed. We thought, oh well, there'll be fewer laughs, but they'll be bigger. But that's not true. They were, they were all there. Some were. There were some new laughs mm -hmm. because there were more people to laugh, and it caught fire. Yes. Across uh, 800 people, it was There's just a difference mm -hmm. between watching something with 120 people and watching it with 800 mm -hmm. with a balcony, you know, and you hear everybody <laughs> roaring. Yeah. It's wild. Mm -hmm. That was an interesting thing as, an, as a performer in the show. The move from off-Broadway to Broadway, we, were, we started becoming aware through the off-Broadway run that the size of the house sometimes worked against the laughs because people were in a small space and they were all sitting right next to each other and a lot of the light from the stage was splashing into the audience and the audience was a little self-conscious. Um, once we moved into the Broadway house and people were a little bit more anonymous and a little bit more sort of safety and numbers kind of thing, some of the laughs that we'd had at the vineyard that were guaranteed were huge. And laughs that we'd never gotten at the vineyard ever were now enormous. Um, so it's been extraordinarily gratifying moving to the Broadway house where it's actually in many respects playing better than it played with the same material. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really, I have to say, I was one of the naysayers. I thought, wow, this show is going to get swallowed up in a big house. And it's just been an extraordinary process of seeing how it's played so well in a bigger house. You know, I, I used to think that, but I have this theory that there's something about particularly certain houses uh, in, um, on 44th, 45th Street, the Schubert houses, or the relationship of the audience to the stage. There's some, there's some sort of energy about it that is so happy-making and so... You want you, you you want to see something. You want to respond to it. It's um I don't know what it is. It's it's that I think that the seats are lower and there's I, there's some relationship that's that's very kind of chemical I think to us all that makes I think almost it, more than not that it's better on on Broadway than it is and it also looks better. It sounds better. It's always just sort of better. Well, and know, and to everyone's credit who was involved in moving the show, the Golden is a really good a theater for theater. that yeah. show. Um, because the Golden Theater feels intimate. It, it has a, a feel that's comfortable. Well, uh, how many seats the show is in the Golden? Really well. 794. Okay, so next to, you know, something like the Gershwin, or I mean, it, it really <laughs> is intimate. It's, it's 800 <laughs> seats. Um, and uh, an off-party theater, the biggest one is 500 now? 499, 499. is the most. So it's really go. 200 more, th 300 more, actually, yeah, 300 than would more. be, uh, which is not insignificant. Um, okay, cool. So that now, now you're moving. Now you decide it's going to be three million, five million, six million, two million. What, who makes that decision, uh, and how? <laughs> how does all that get done? I don't um, know this answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we make that decision. Uh -oh. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, we thought it should be. Um, <laughs> no, we have not, they don't tell us anything. Um, <laughs> That's not true. Uh, yeah, no, it's basically, um, you know what you have to put in your grocery cart to go to Broadway. Mm -hmm. You put it all in your cart. You go to the cashier, she yeah. adds it up, and you get three and a half million dollars. But there, all right, so it's three and a half million, but there's some variables, for instance, yeah. an advertising budget or reserves. Sure. But the fixed costs, those things yeah. that really are, like going to the grocery mm -hmm. store, are very easy to calculate, mm -hmm. and our general manager, Car John Corker, was commissioned to do so. Yeah. So once you plug in how many weeks of rehearsal it will take, how many actors, how many musicians, how many stagehands, mm -hmm. multiply their number of days, their number of hours, um, by their um, 
salaries, mm -hmm. you get a number, right. and you add up all of those numbers. Um, advertising is a subjective number that every producer has to decide, but the truth of it is is that nobody's going to open a Broadway musical today without having a million-dollar advertising budget um, in its capitalization. So of the three and a half, a million dollars? One million of it was advertising, correct. Um, and then loading into a Broadway theater is um, your second biggest expense. Right. Um, the, uh, Do you guys know what that is? What loading in is? Could you explain? What yes, that is? loading in is the process of taking your set, your lighting, your sound, and your costumes from the places in which they originate um, to the theater and setting it up. And you employ IATSE stagehands in order to do so, and all of them earn a salary, and uh, it's a very fine salary. And when you add it all up, <laughs> it's a lot of time. Um, and what? And so, uh, what about? And who, a reserve is also right. So then you're so you so you have your line items for making the show, your line items from uh, you know for paying all your people, mm -hmm. your line items for making your set, right, and your costumes and, lot, and right. your puppets. And, you're and now you have understudies. I mean, you have exactly more and musicians or not? Uh, yeah, we added two musicians. We had four musicians off Broadway, and for Broadway, we wanted to uh, uh, the guys. We, we 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 all agreed that a bass was essential to uh -huh. make uh, to fill out the bottom of the sound. And then uh, these guys and Steven said we really like to have a guitar as well, and we thought that was a great idea for Broadway. And so that also means a reorchestration fee as well. Uh, not a whole fee, but uh, you know, you add two more uh, charts. So then you pay the fees for those two charts. Right. Absolutely. We expanded the cast uh, with understudies. Well, yeah, you ex we expanded the cast through the use of right. understudies, Absolutely. but we knew we were going to have to do that no matter where we went. Absolutely. And, um, and then you have a reserve, which are uh, monies that you raise um, that you hold in reserve in case you lose money during your preview weeks. I see. And, uh, so you add all of that up, and in the case of our show, it was $3.5 million which in the Broadway climate is now considered modest. Absolutely. You know, a, a play comes in now for $2 million, and a musical anywhere from 6 to $10 million. Right. So for us to be able to do a musical for $3.5 million felt economically responsible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 it's a sad state of affairs. Well, when off-Broadway, it cost 500 So right. we went, we, we, you know, five times seven is $3.5 million. So it's a multiple of seven, and that was good producing. <laughs> <laughs> Robin, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, he's, no. he's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, makes the difference between Off-Broadway and Broadway? Well, you know what? Off-Broadway, an actor is going to make $500 a week, and he's not going to be able to have a wife and children uh, and support them. On Broadway, an actor's going to make a minimum of $1,300 a week, and he's going to be able to make a modest living. Um, same thing for the stagehands, same thing for the musicians. Um, the, you know, the truth of it is, is that on Broadway, the practitioners of the theater can earn a living. Sometimes it's a good living, sometimes it's a great living, but it's always a living. And off-Broadway, it's very difficult. You know, when you go to a um, terrific New York actor and ask him or her to be in your off-Broadway show or in your not-for-profit show, they have to decide that they're going to do it because they love being in the theater and they love working on plays and musicals. And they then have to hope that they have commercial work and voiceover work or television and movie work so that they can meet their mortgage. Because you cannot meet your mortgage 
if you are a practitioner off-Broadway. And for the most part, that even applies to the playwright and mm -hmm. the lighting designer and the set designer and the costume designer. So that's, that, that is the difference. Well, uh, no, no, it, it's But isn't it's it great true. that there's a whole profession where people do it for love? I mean, mm -hmm. it's really extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, I did it for many years for love. I run a not-for-profit theater. That's I can't right. say I made a living. And, and you had to, and, and what, you know, and ultimately you made a big decision. I did decision. other things, yes. I, I made a big decision. I mean, the, 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 the hard part, too, though, about that is, is that you lose people. I mean, when you're, when you're in an off-Broadway situation, because they can always get out for more remunerative employment, which is just about anything. So that's kind of, it's kind of tricky with that. Um, I know but that's the, and that's why we celebrate Broadway. And that's why we celebrate the American Theatre Wing and the Tony Awards, because that is part of the system by which we can make a living because it is a brand name that people um, believe in mm -hmm. and they're willing to invest in, and I mean as consumers, to buy the tickets right. so that they can um, get their musical theater and theater fix and we can make a living. Mm. Uh, so we're up to, you've raised the money, you've gotten the theater, everybody's on board. Uh, there was a fairly quick turnaround in this show from your closing to your opening. Uh, and you opened in the summer, which was used to be considered, don't do that, but you did it anyway. Um, how are these decisions arrived at? Randomly. <laughs> no. What no, made you, what we made wanted you want to, to move quickly. quickly. We, we wanted to move On quickly. On the momentum of the right. reviews, I'm assuming. The reviews assuming. were so extraordinary uh, that we felt that uh, moving quickly would benefit us. We were in the mines. There wasn't anything opening. There was no new musical opening until October. Uh, yeah. And so we had a, a, a field there it, from, from mid-July till October where we were the only new game in town. For That's for press and for getting yeah, articles and yeah. for attention, essentially. Exactly, exactly. So we thought that was an important thing to do. So we, our official opening was July 31st. Mm -hmm. Mm. And uh, and <coughs> so we did we we got through the summer fine. It was right. a fine thing to do. And I think didn't hairspray open last summer as well. I mean, it's, yes. just, it's no longer a, it's no longer an issue. Um, I think this would be a good time to just take a few moments, and I think we are ready to hear a few words from Isabel. Before we get back to the American Theatre Wing's working in the theater seminar on production, I would like to remind you that these seminars only one of the many year-round programs that the Wing undertakes. You're probably familiar with the American Theatre Wing's Tony Awards, which is given for achievement of excellence in the Broadway theatre. We also have an important grants program, providing aid to off and off-off Broadway theatres. We have expanded our scholarships to promising students so they can pursue studies in the theatre arts. And we offer a comprehensive guide to careers in the theatre those seriously interested in entering the profession. As the long-established charity dating back from World War I and World War II and our famous stage or canteen, all of our programs are designed to reward and promote excellence in the theater. We just love to introduce young people and their families to theater and the magic it unfolds. We take pride in the work we do and remain grateful to our members and everyone else whose contributions help make possible the dynamic programs of the American Theatre Wing. Our work is so important to the theatre and the community, and we are proud to be a part of this exciting industry. So now, let's return to our panel on production and our moderator, Lonnie Price. Lonnie. Thank you. 
Thank you. Um, I'd like to talk just a moment about auditions, and I guess uh, to, to you, Rick, I mean, are you, you must be in the process of auditioning puppeteers, I'm assuming, and what do you look for in a I mean, this, this would be a, a job that has a lot of requirements. You have to do an awful lot of things. How do you, how do you, do you I'm sure you all look at auditions. I mean, how does that work for the show? Well, this is sort of like what we were talking about before in terms of the creation of the show being almost in a way backwards. Um, having the songs first and then, you know, creating a book around a lot of them and, and so forth. The casting was also very sort of non-traditional. Um, most of us were connected to the project very early on mm -hmm. in the process. Most of us have never auditioned for the show. Uh, we just came along for the ride. Uh, I guess I'm the original <laughs> cast member in a way. Because <laughs> um, I started working with Jeff and Bobby right from the start. And then, um, as you know, we, they wrote songs, and we wanted to do more workshops. And at BMI, we're like, "Well, we need more puppeteers." And I was like, "Well, let's get Johnny in." And we brought Johnny in. And then uh, there was sort of a uh, two-part conversation about Stephanie. And I said, "Yeah, bring her in if she's interested." And Craig was like, "Yeah, yeah, bring her in." And so we brought Stephanie into the cast, and it just kind of kept going that way. Um, because I knew that John, uh, John Tartaglia, who plays Princeton, uh, among other roles in the show, I knew he had a theatrical background uh, and musical background, as well as being a very excellent puppeteer. And I knew the same about Stephanie. So everybody that I brought to the project, I was like, I can vouch for these people. These are very talented people. Um, it's been a hard show to cast uh, with understudies and so forth, because it is kind of a quadruple threat. You have to be an actor, you have to be a singer, you have to be able to dance, and you also have to be able to puppeteer your butt off. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not easy it, to multitask. Um, for those of you who have, have not seen the show, um, one of the things that makes the show unique is that with the puppet characters on stage, we do not make any effort to hide the puppeteers. The puppeteers are on stage with the puppets. And was that a decision that was, was that your decision? Was that ever a creative decision? It was a, it was a pretty much mutual decision. I think when it was we was a very clear decision, although no, yeah. well, actually, going back, when we did the very first reading when we thought it was going to be a TV show, right. um, we would never have shown the puppeteer. Sure. And we talked about should we spread a sheet or have like a lemonade stand right. type thing. We decided, you know, that's, this is ridiculous. They're going to be holding, having music stands, turning pages. Mm -hmm. Let's just, you know, let them hold the puppets. And then the audience told us they loved seeing, seeing the puppeteer. Yeah. It was a huge surprise. Yeah. The best thing about having a reading with puppets is that, you know, if you've ever been to a reading, you know that the actors put their music or their, or their scripts on music stands. Right. And you see them look up and read and, look and go like that. Whereas in Avenue Q, the puppet is looking and can act freely up here while the puppeteer <laughs> yeah. just turns their pages. <laughs> and um, that was amazing. And it, that also posed a problem when we began to stage the show um, at the Vineyard because none of the actors could do blocking and hold their books because they have the rod, the rod to manipulate the arm. Um, and they had to memorize their lines before we started rehearsals uh, and before they would ever put new lines in. It's fascinating. It was, sure. it was, it was a little different sense, yeah. than, yeah, and, yeah. But it was amazing. And then memorize all the changes every day. Yeah. Right. Oh, of course. My gosh, I didn't think yeah. of it. So I'm sorry, Rick. You, you were also were saying, so to, uh, in terms of the audition process, so... Yeah, so uh, it's, it's, a, you it's a tough nut to crack. You've got to have performers who have some pretty 
particular skills. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is a very specific style of puppetry too, the, the lip sync puppetry, the mouth puppets that we use in the show, uh, a style a lot of people associate with television. Um, it's sort of like you know, uh, if you're doing a jazz dance show, uh, a show that in incorporates jazz dance, you, you can't expect that someone with ballet is going mm -hmm. to be appropriate in a jazz piece. It, it's a different skill set. I mean, a marionettist could not probably do this mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's a very specific skill set. And, and I was not involved in the preliminary auditions for understudies and so forth. I came in after the producers had seen people and had kind of narrowed down their choices to, well, these are the couple of people that we, we would like to cast. What mm -hmm. do you think? And then I worked with them a little bit in, in, in the audition just so they could see um, them working puppets and interacting with other puppeteers and so forth. Um, so that's pretty much the and, process. And did you design the puppets? I mean, where did the yes. you So they yes. are your designs? Yes, I designed the puppets. Uh, I'm one of the few major designers on Broadway who's performing eight shows a week. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a challenge, William I. B. Long, if you're out there. <laughs> uh, I don't know that we want to see William I. B. Long perform. <laughs> that's all right. There's a lot of people tell you that they want to see me to perform. Anyway. Uh, oh, no. No. Not on no. This Come on, everyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe that was, there's a lot of designers who'd rather I didn't design, I don't know, anyway. Um, but no, I, I designed the puppets and, uh, I mean, right from the start, uh, it was clear that it, it, they really needed to be this style of puppet. They needed to mm -hmm. be mouth puppets. They needed to be the kind of puppets that people are used to seeing on TV because, especially at the very beginning, the show very much started as a parody of children's television, mm -hmm. very satirical. And I think it's important to honor your source. When you're doing a satire, it's very difficult to... Uh, well, for example, I, and this is the sample that I use all the time, uh, if Daryl Hammond on Saturday Night Live, who's known for his Bill Clinton impersonations, came out in a red wig and spoke with a Brooklyn accent and said, Duh, I am blue, Bill Clinton, you, you wouldn't buy that. You have to put him in a gray wig and you have to speak with a southern accent. You have to honor the source or people aren't going to make the connection. And so that was something that we always worked with right from the very beginning of this show, is that you have to have puppets of this kind of style. Um, because that's what people equate with this sort of uh, uh, this style of show, uh, the parody of this style of children's television. Mm -hmm. So, and other than that, I mean, as a designer, it's um, you know, it's it's a, a completely blank slate, and and all the decisions that you make as a designer are completely and utterly based on what works for the character in the context of the show. And the tough thing about being uh, designing puppets is. Even beyond designing costumes, you are creating the character. It's not you're not creating what they're wearing, and then the actor fills in a lot of the blanks uh, on what happens with the character. You're creating the character, so their eyes and their noses and everything. Um, and so it's a matter of just you know the multitudinous choices that you can possibly uh, make, and then paring them down. And Jeff and Bobby were like, "No, let's not do that. No, that doesn't work for me." And there was a lot of going back and forth. And, um, How many like puppets are used in the show a night? Forty-two. Wow. Mm. Forty-two. Uh, we started with what six? Yeah. <laughs> um, or three, I think. Even you know. Or, or and do they get maintained every day? Is there a per person? There's a certain level of maintenance. There is a uh, puppet wrangler in the show, or <laughs> or puppet rustler. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, 
Not day-to-day -day maintenance, no. I mean, there's certainly upkeep like um, Kate wears human hair wigs, which is always slightly ironic to me that this monster <laughs> puppet who's made out of synthetic fur has human hair wigs. Um, she requires probably the most maintenance because she's mm -hmm. got to look pretty. She's got to sure. look cute. She's a girly girl. She's so the she's romantic not. lead. Yeah, she's <laughs> the romantic. She's the ingenue. And so uh, she has to, her wigs have to be attended to. And actually, probably the one that needs the most the, the upkeep is Lucy the slut. Um, Lucy T. Slut. Lucy T. Slut, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I can't say the on television. <laughs> because, of course, Lucy's all about the way she looks. And so uh, her wigs are like inflated every other day or something, whatever, to make sure they're uh, nice and poofy. Uh, we probably use as much hair hairspray as Far Harvey Firestein does. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, there's a little bit of you know day-to-day -day maintenance sort of stuff. Uh, hopefully, we've made them sort of goof-proof so they don't uh, don't fail too often. We haven't lost any pupils or or ears or anything <laughs> like that yet, Cloudy except in rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of famous rehearsal stories about uh, rehearsing uh, when we were first getting the new Lucys. Uh, I should mention very quickly that uh, from off-Broadway to Broadway, there were some redesigns and uh, not really huge ones, just some major tweaking. Uh, minor tweaking to Princeton, um, uh, particularly, and Lucy, and some brightening of colors. Uh, a lot of the characters stayed the way they were because they, uh, they played really well. But um, where was I going with this? Um, Lucy changed. Oh, most. yeah, Lucy changed the most. But uh, in terms of the, um, uh, no, I wasn't talking about Lucy. In the rehearsal, there was a Oh, in rehearsal, break. you're, yes. Uh, so the new Lucy <laughs> wasn't quite done yet. We were trying different kinds of wigs on her because Lucy's so much about her hair. And uh, in one rehearsal, I had just a wig just sort of pinned on. And during her big number in rehearsal, her wig went flying. <laughs> and she really looked like nothing so much as a chemotherapy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that kind of stopped the rehearsal cold. <laughs> And eyes falling off, those kind of things are a little distracting to the actors on stage. <laughs> Doesn't happen with the human cast, and I've never quite figured out why. I've lost a wig once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't wigs to have anyway. They were pretty terrible. Uh, you might mention we have two of our Yes, absolutely. Here. Jody Eichenberger. Thank you. And Aaron Quinn is here. Quill. Quill. Well, see, I'm doing so well. Well, nice to see you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. I want to talk a little bit about um, marketing because this is a pr very particular kind of show and uh, puppets and I know that the initial posters were puppets and I'm seeing ads that have more people in them lately and I just, I know Jeffrey this is your, one of the things that you're wonderful at I just wondered, wondered how you started the idea of how to market it and what you've been doing since you've opened and what's working, what you'd like to work better. Um, uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I'd like to start by saying that, you know, marketing starts with what are you marketing? And, you know, I think our best marketing decision was to do Avenue Q. And I think that um, when you do the right show, um, 85 to 90 percent of your marketing takes care of itself just by the nature good. of the show. Right. And uh, I think that a Broadway producer who uh, does great marketing, could probably pump it up maybe another 10 or 15 percent, mm -hmm. and one who does a poor job may diminish it by 10 or 15 percent. But I think that our ability to affect it mm -hmm. is smaller than other people may think, because I think that when you are dealing with the theater, which demands a time investment and a money investment that's that large, people go by word of mouth 
to that first 80%. And if you've got a good show, people will tell their friends and they will listen to them and they will go. Having said that, you know, the major dramatic question for us going to Broadway was puppets or no puppets? Advertise the puppets or don't advertise the puppets? Mm -hmm. and, um, and literally, Robin and I, on Monday, we would go, no puppets. <laughs> and then on Tuesday, Robin would go, we should use the puppets. <laughs> and then on Wednesday, I'd go, no, we shouldn't use the puppets. <laughs> right, and literally, like every day, we, we would go back and forth on were the puppets a liability mm -hmm. or an asset? And how do you feel about it now? Um, I, feel that, um, I feel that where we are now, which is uh, in which we, in, um, in uh, print advertising, use a Richard Avedon photograph She's that really uses adorable. Uh, you know, our uh, three puppeteers and uh, some of the puppets. I think that that photo captures, better than any other um, tool that we've had, the it's exuberance very, yeah. and the specialness of mm -hmm. this show that uses both um, unique puppets but uses them with performers who are flesh and blood and have bodies and legs and arms mm -hmm. and are um, enormously attractive performers. Indeed. And um, so we felt that when uh, Mr. Avedon did that, that was the first thing that really captured what we were looking for. So that's what we try to lead off with now, is an image that shows you the exuberance of the show, the fact that the show will make you feel good when you go to see it, and that in fact it employs great-looking Broadway performers and puppets. And, and I think that, in a nutshell, that's where we are today. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just also curious about, um, obviously, there's, there, well, I don't know that. I mean, will there be tours of, of the show? It's kind of a tricky show to tour because I know that the roadhouses are huge, um, most of them anyway. Uh, so what are the plans for uh, second companies, and, or is it, the sit down companies in smaller theaters, or what do you think? What do you yes. guys think? Yes to everything. <laughs> you, you, we, we don't know is yeah. the answer. We're you know we're listening to the show right now and watching the audiences that are seeing it in New York to try to and hope that they will tell us what to do mm -hmm. in the same way they told us to go to Broadway. And uh, you know I think that. Um, there are theaters um, that are 12 and 1600 seats on the road in places like Boston and Chicago right. that maybe could house the show, or maybe we should play it in a 499 seat theater like um, some other shows have done in places like San Francisco and Boston and Chicago, um, so the, and in Toronto. So the answer is, you know, we're we're um, we're still learning in our experience in New York what the show requires, but we certainly know this. You will see this show in Chicago, and you will see it in San Francisco, and you'll see it in Columbus. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, what are you, uh, how, do, how are you guys feeling about, I know the show's a very solid hit, and it's doing well, and all that's spectacular. Um, how do you feel about uh, its success? Do you feel you're, you're, at, you're at the level that you want to be? Do you feel that business could be better? Is the advance? I mean, yes, this, this definitely. Is, so we're, which, which, yes. Uh, Just yes to everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, the show is doing really very well. Very solid. It's doing it's really be well. There it could do better. Uh -huh. There's a lot of product out right now. There's a lot of new shows. There's a lot of shows opening, which, of course, inevitably changes as the season, sure. season goes on. Um, I think, you know, I ran into someone in the ladies' room who said, you know, I didn't want to see the show because I don't like puppet shows. But now that I've heard you talk about it, I really want to see it. Yeah. I'm going to buy a ticket. I think there's a little bit of that going on. Mm -hmm. I think we're finding that there's a little bit of resistance from certain people about 
so-called puppet show. It, well, it's not just a puppet show. It's a story about real people uh, going through real uh, challenges in life. It has a romance that you actually care about. You root for the characters. It has a sweet, sweet, loving message at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, it has all the best qualities of a Broadway musical. And all people somehow are hearing is puppet show. And that's one of the things we talk about daily. Uh, how can we communicate that to people? Is it radio? Is it television? Is it? So we feel our challenge for the next three years it, to keep people coming to the show is to break through that barrier mm -hmm. that people have towards puppets, which I think we will slowly erode because we have lots of ideas of how to do that. And also that the word is so extraordinarily positive. The word of mouth, I, I don't think I've ever produced a show, and I think Metamorphoses had a great word of mouth, but I don't think I've ever produced a show that had a word of mouth like this show. People Well, you run into people love. on the street yeah. coming out of it, and they're so happy. They literally, they're just sort of skipping down the street. Yeah. It's the most Kevin, infectious now, thing. If Kevin McCollum were here right now, he would say, uh, Avenue Q is the cure for a bad mood. Mm -hmm. And that's really the that's way true. he wants to advertise the show. I give him credit for that. Mm -hmm. And if there was a way we could just walk around and tell people that, it's you don't need your Prozac, put it away. <laughs> <laughs> just come see Avenue Q. I Save think you a lot one of money. The, it's one of the few musicals that's able to be about normal people with normal problems uh, because it's a puppet musical, because these characters are distilled versions of people you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're all based on people we know. They're all based us. on people <laughs> we know. <Yeah. laughs> and um, it's, it's because they're puppets and that there's that element of fantasy that it's able to sing and mm -hmm. be a musical and not have to be in the 1850s or some crazy, you know, where you believe that they break into song. The puppets allow us to do it. And that, I think it's really one of the few musicals that's about modern life. Absolutely, and, and, and it's about, moder it, it really is about today. It's, it's, uh, you've really captured what the spirit of, of being alive today is, and that's, uh, and that's really unusual. Partic and it's so great that you're, you guys are young and that you're writing. I mean, so many of the shows are either revivals or by men in their 60s and 70s whom we all adore and have grown up with, but it gives us hope to hear you know, new songs by people who are as young as you are. But also which they're not cynical, which is, you know, no, there's so many edgy sweet. new shows out, you know, that are kind of cynical. Mm -hmm. And this show is not cynical. It's very hopeful and sweet, and it gives you, uh, the message is... It's optimistic. That, yeah, it's optimistic, that life is, life is okay. Whatever you're going through, it's only for now. Yeah. It's and if it's bad, it'll get better. And if it's good, you'll have a little bad, and then it'll get better again, mm -hmm. you know. And it's a very sweet, hopeful. People are surprised about uh, how moved they are mm -hmm. at the end of the show. That's the big surprise, yes. I think. I remember Marsha Mason coming out of the show with tears running out. I said, this is a musical. <laughs> You're not supposed to be crying. She said, I was so moved. I loved it so much. And, you know, I mean, it's just that it, we need to communicate that as a message of what the show is about. And I think slowly people will do it for us, as Jeffrey said, and we'll find other ways to communicate it. Like right now, I think I just communicated. Yeah, yeah, I think you did. <laughs> I think you did. Um, just before we leave, what are you guys up to next? What's, what, do you have something on the horizon? Are you working on new ideas? We're working on a couple things. I don't know how much we can talk about, really, <laughs> but a musical film that's wow. funny. Uh huh. Um, little stuff for Comedy Central and something for VH1. So more television, perhaps, than film than theater at the moment? Well, we always wanted to go into television. Right. <laughs> 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 we just talked them out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, there's nothing like uh, a Broadway show, and we, we will definitely try do and do another one. We actually, and we're actually uh, talking to two of our heroes um, about writing a theater piece with them 
too. Oh, that's thrilling. So, yeah. That's great. Uh, what does it feel like to go to the theater and, and watch uh, 800 people laugh and cheer and stomp and and go out skipping down the street? Is it is it, it all is high? Is it amazing? Amazing. Mm. And it's amazing to get um, uh, just exuberant emails from people saying, I, I had the best time. I've never seen my wife laugh this so hard mm. in 20 years. <laughs> I can't take the CD out of my CD player. Uh, I walk around singing the tunes. People in my office are ready to kill me. It's, it's <laughs> just <laughs> amazing. I, I'm checking down a list. I gr went to school in New York, and all of my sixth grade teachers and all my teachers oh. have, have left notes at the theater for me. Yeah, they'll come out of the woodwork. It's nice. It's a good thing. And what about for you, Jeffrey? I know you're always working on other stuff. Anything oh, you can talk about? Yeah, or? well, Kevin and I are working with the Nederlanders um, on the first production of West Side Story to come oh, to Broadway in 25 yeah. years. So yeah. that's, uh, we're planning that for next season. Oh, that's wow. exciting. That's great. Yeah. And Ms. Goodman? Oh, I've got lots of things in development. I'm working on a musical uh, about Betty Boop with Bill Haber and Andrew Farber. And uh, I've got a little musical called Altar Boys that I'm developing. Uh, which is about a Christian boy band. <laughs> <laughs> you got a part for me? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there is one Jew in the uh, band. <laughs> <laughs> How tall? <laughs> Not, very tall. <laughs> Not very tall. And some uh, revivals that uh, I'm working on. Uh, and uh, I also, am, I'm a consultant at the Roundabout. I'm an artistic consultant, so I work with Todd Haynes just on looking for new plays. Mm -hmm. How tricky is that these days? Very. It's why? Hard. I don't know why. You know, I've been doing new plays my whole career, mm -hmm. and right now it, it's it's very difficult to find. Uh, I, I think maybe a lot of younger people are going off to film and television. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a lot of talented people are writing for those mediums now, and 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 uh, it's to make a commitment to writing plays, you have to be willing to be very poor. Yeah. It's tough. I, I, I agree. I mean, is, do you think it has something to do with that uh, there doesn't seem to be a unifying crisis? We had all the AIDS plays for a while. We had, you know, there's, it seems as though there isn't maybe one thing that's well, moving people you know, to a great degree. Well, one of the terrible things about 9-11 is that it has inspired a lot of uh, young people to write plays about it. Uh, but, yeah, I don't even think that's it so much. I, I think it's that... You know, one of the things that Jeffrey and I and Kevin are committed to is bringing young audiences to the theater because the theater will die if we Absolutely. don't encourage them to come. And I think a lot of young people don't feel that's a place that they have a voice or that's the best place to say mm -hmm. what they need to say mm -hmm. or they want a bigger audience. Or So the ones that hang in there, there are a lot of wonderful writers like Jeff Witte, but uh, less and less, I feel, hmm. actually. That's just my opinion. From reading a lot of plays, I read plays every week. I'm reading new plays, and uh, it's tough. It also seems that there doesn't seem to be a follow-through too. I mean, with people who have a success, it doesn't seem as though there's the next play the next year and the next play the next year. There seems like it, it dissipates or something. Well, I think some of that is the fault of the critics. Our critics are not like the critics in England, who are quite supportive of a body of work and have a longer view mm -hmm, on writers. Our critics are. Good, bad, it mm -hmm. worked, it didn't. They don't tend to uh, look at it as a whole career, as a, as a process for a writer. It's kind of a make it or break it world here. Yes. So it's very different. Well, I hope it improves soon. I know that Robin was uh, instrumental in bringing proof uh, to Manhattan Theatre Club and to Broadway, and uh, that certainly was an amazing play. I hope there will be more of those. He's a great writer. He's a great writer. He's a great writer. And what about you? Uh, new, new, new puppets, new ideas, or would 
Any other things you want to be working on? Oh, I'm a pretty typical freelancer. I just I'm working on lots of lots of little different things. Yeah. How long do you think you'll stay with the show? Do you know? Well, my contract is up in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm fully expecting to stay with the show as long as they want me. That's great. And will you I, I, will you supervise forever. the puppets? Well, the producer said forever now. So, <laughs> will, you, will you supervise the puppets on other companies of it as well? Oh yeah, yeah. I expect to. Yeah. That's terrific. Oh, by the way, any, I mean, there must be some sort of idea of putting this on television. Or, <laughs> well, uh, then we're talking about that, too, yeah. at some point. Yeah, I think that would be swell. be really great to do. Um, I think we're in good shape. Yes, You're taking this show on the road. Don't you have to have auditions for replacements? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, where do you have those, and where do they come from? Um, it's a good question. And uh, in, the, in the column of I don't knows, we're going to have that. <laughs> um, but you know what? When we did Rent, we didn't know where these young rock singers were going to come from. When they did Stomp, they didn't know where those, those stompers would come from. And God knows they didn't know where all those blue men were going to come from. So if they can find blue men to populate the world, I know we can find more puppeteers. Well, and on that note, I would like to thank this wonderful panel for being here this morning. This has been the American Theatre Wing's Working in the Theatre Seminar, coming to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. Thank you all very much for being here.